Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Dead Prankle podcast. With me, Emma Jones and Kat Hooker. Now today we're joined by someone who I stumbled across on TikTok and spent the rest of the hour literally crying with laughter at the videos about her late mum. Now she's got a wonderful way of bringing honesty and humour into the painful world of grief. So it's our huge pleasure to welcome to the podcast TikTok comedian and dark humour connoisseur, Chloe Kent. I don't know if I'm supposed to clap myself then, but... Absolutely. <laughs> Are you happy with that intro? TikTok comedian and, and, and uh, dark humour connoisseur, yeah? I think that sums it up quite it. well, doesn't it? I want it on my gravestone. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll make sure that happens, but who knows? One of us is going to yeah. die first, aren't we? Um, Chloe, just for anybody listening who maybe doesn't follow you on TikTok and hasn't seen some of your incredible videos, tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Um, so I, well, I started taking to TikTok, obviously in lockdown, like everybody else, and just started having like messing around with comedy videos. However, like I, I really started to find my niche when I was like posting basically like real life skits about my mum and how, you know, she passed away and, and how I responded to that grief and how everyone responds to grief really and um it just took off from there and then I got so many messages from people saying that like the dark humor was actually really helping them laugh through like their grief and then so after that I was like well there's just there's no stopping me now like I'm just gonna go full with this and keep posting do you do this just on the side of just your everyday life yeah, yeah, like, you know, I, I was doing it when I was working at Tesco and receptionist and then obviously, I've, you know, I've got two children. So, yeah, no, it's literally just like, it's for fun and, you know, it's for my own mental health as well because it helps me, like, laugh, laughing sometimes mm. through, you know, the, the harder days. Can you please take us back to your own grief story then and tell us about your mum, what was she called and your relationship and kind of how that affected you when she passed? My mum's name was Carol and um, we, like, she had quite a rocky life, like, uh, mental health terms, like, she really struggled. But then she joined um, a a place called um, a hub, a mental health hub, and she literally just, like, thrived there and she became such a happy person. So, literally, it was kind of a shame because she was actually, like, living her best life for the first time in probably all of her life. She was so happy. And then I took her on holiday to Scotland, like, over Christmas, and... Um, just to spend some time together and it, it was beautiful 
but she was so tired and I remember one morning she, she actually fell asleep on the sofa downstairs but she took her bra off and left it on the floor <laughs> and like the kids and my partner come down and I was like mum what are you doing with your bra on the floor what was going on and she was like oh she's like I'm so tired lately I'm not thinking straight and um, she did say to me that uh, the doctors had found something with her kidneys but she was not concerned at all like I think she thought it was like an infection or something like that and I was like okay well keep me posted on that and then literally just after the new year um, you know I phoned her and I said have you had an update yet and she said oh yeah they said it's um, kidney failure but she was so like aloof I guess and just not really like I don't think she like grasped like that that sounded quite serious and I was like okay well um, I had a quick google because I had no clue and I saw that there were stages one to five you know five being the worst and I said to her well did they say what stage you're at she went yeah five <laughs> and I was wow. like mum should we not be more worried about this and I was like did you not ask any questions she was like, no, not yet. They've given me a leaflet. And I was like, oh, my God, not the oh leaflet. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I started Googling stage five, um, kidney failure. And straight away, I was just like, no, this this does not sound like it's going to be good. And I had to go back to her and be like, mum, make sure, go back to the doctors and keep asking questions. And she's like, oh, I don't really want it to scare me. <laughs> and I was like, but I think you need to know. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it started there, really. How old were you at this point, Chloe? When was this? And how old was your mum? Um, so my mum was 56 when she got the diagnosis and so I must have been about 27. So young, so, so young. How did it feel in that moment when, you know, because a lot of people when they're delivering that news to loved ones would be heartbroken, but how did you feel when your mum almost seemed so blasé about it? Do you know, it was, it was surreal and I, I know this sounds odd, but it was almost frustrating because... When you Google stage five kidney failure, you, you just you, you don't get any definitive answer. You know, like you know how like when people might have um, like a cancer, and then you always hear like they're they're put into like a group of you know like how long they might be here for and things like that. I couldn't find anything at all on the internet to suggest what stage five meant. You know, I didn't know if it meant she's got five years, ten years, and I actually remember at one point. Um, I went I went to a um, an appointment with her and I actually asked two separate doctors and one said given the fact that your mum's got other things wrong with her like she had COPD diabetes and things you know the doctor said I think she's got a few years and then I asked another doctor and he said oh no you know people can go on dialysis and she could be here for 10-15 years so mm-hmm. I I just I couldn't it, it, was, it was frustrating because I, I couldn't quite understand what was happening Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a, a terminal diagnosis but a case of at what end I feel like that kind of has it's kind of a double-edged sword because in one way I think it's good to not live with a time scale mm. so I think sometimes being given that gives people like so I think some people give up they think mm. oh my god this much time left and they admit they kind of succumb to that and then that is what happens whereas I think when people don't know Sometimes I think there's this thing inside you that makes you live for longer than what you thought. I, I, I don't know how I feel about t- diagnoses with regards to timestamps. There's pros and cons to both. Mm-hmm. But how how was life after that then? Like, did you ever get a sort of definitive answer? Did your mum go downhill quite quickly? Or 
Yeah, no, we we definitely didn't get an answer. And I think, you know, it's it's because it does affect everybody so differently. You know, it really depends on your, your health in general. You know, like if you have got stage five kidney failure, but you're otherwise healthy, then yeah, you could probably have 10, 15, 20 years or more on dialysis and be fine. From mum's point of view, though, I it, it was probably best that there was no timestamps, you know, like it kept her quite, um, like she fought hard, you know, and it's, it wasn't an easy thing to watch. Mm. What happened after that, Chloe? What, as you know, how long after that initial um, prognosis did your mum live? And, and what was that time like for you all as a family, day to day and in terms of long term planning? And, and you with your own children as well, were they born then? What was the situation with you with your own family? Yeah, so I had, um, yeah, I had both my kids. So at the time of diagnosis, I think my youngest was two and my eldest would have been about six. Um, so she, it was, I'm just trying to think, really went away. It was December 2016 and she died in February 2019. Um, so really, things only started happening in 2017, you know, because she was kind of okay. And then we got to the spring of 2017 and actually they quite quickly said, oh, now you need dialysis. Um, so she was gearing up for dialysis, but I mean, that really took it out of her. And then that's when the sudden decline came. Like in between that time of spring 2017 and February 2019, she was actually so ill. Like she'd had a cardiac arrest. She was in intensive care. It was just, it was really rocky, really up and down. And then there were times when she'd be like, Chloe, let's go to Primark, you know, like she felt good. Mm. So there was like no consistency. And then, yeah, it was really out of the blue in 2019. She actually wasn't, she was in hospital at the time, but she was about to be discharged. I saw her on the Sunday and she, she was about to be discharged on the Monday. So the last thing I said to her was, right, I'll pick you up Monday, I'll see you then. And um, yeah, and then obviously it didn't happen. Wow. Are you, are you an only child, Chloe? No, I've got my older sister. Um, but at the time, her and my mum, they just weren't that close. Mm. So they she wasn't around as much. I mean, she, she was right in the last, you know, period, which is good. But yeah, no, I mean, she, she was great afterwards. But at, at the time, it was just, it felt like it was um, me and mum a lot. But you had to bear a lot of that responsibility. Yeah, and also she's, um, you know, she's single. You know, my dad, he, he's moved on, married with somebody else. So it did feel, feel a little bit like, you know, I couldn't go home and relax because I knew that she was at home on her own or in hospital on her own. There was no one taking care of her. It was a lot sometimes, yeah. And what was your mum's attitude like throughout it all? What was she like throughout the journey with her illness? Um, it was up and down. I think for the most part, she made a lot of jokes. She's very dark humoured as well, very, you know, dry mm -hmm. humour. Um, but then there were moments where it got to her. And I remember one time she just started crying because um, she'd been talking to the surgeon about the options of a transplant and it wasn't looking good. And the surgeon said, you know, what, what is it you're hoping? And, and she said, I just want enough time to see my grandchildren grow up a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. And she really cried when she said that. And that really hurt me to see other than that she was mostly quite okay and upbeat and she made so many jokes still she was so funny especially in hospital like there was this poor bloke who was like I guess like um a ward hostess I'm not really sure what they're called but he would like 
um, you know, help with the foods and like bring bring the drink trays and everything else. And she would constantly flirt with him to the point where I was so convinced I was going to get called into the office to say like, literally, your mum needs to calm down. But <laughs> he was hilarious. But it did take a toll at times, you know, she had moments of having like panic attacks and things like that. But I would honestly say for the most part, she was, she took it in her stride, actually. I'm, I'm really proud of her for how well she coped. And what was it like for you getting that phone call? I'm assuming they, the hospital rang you to say your mum is either going to pass so you need to get here or she has passed. Well, the phone call came on a with, withheld number and it was about two o'clock in the morning. And I just assumed it was like my cousin or something that, you know, drunk. They've been on the night out <laughs> and now and now they're going to phone me up and be like, I love you, <laughs> you know, and all that sort of thing. So I didn't answer the first call. Um, and then it was my partner that said, oh, no, answer it just, just in case. So I hate answering withheld numbers. Doesn't everyone yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. I can imagine it would be like PPI at two in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I answered it. And, um, you know, this this guy said, hi, Chloe, you know, I, I'm, I'm working in the, the unit where your mum is. Could you come down? There's been a significant change. That's all he right. said. And um, I thought straight, I said, yes, yeah, of course, I hung up the phone. And I thought in my head, oh, has she had another cardiac arrest or something that's landed her back into intensive care? Mm. Um, so I started getting dressed and um, because it's obviously two o'clock in the morning, my children were asleep and I didn't drive at the time. Um, I passed my test two months later, but I didn't drive at the time. And my husband said, oh, do you want to get the kids up and I'll drive you down to the hospital? And I said, oh, no, I don't want to do that in case, you know, I get there and she's stable. You know, I, I don't want to get them out of bed at this time. I'll get a taxi. And then he was like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. He was like, can you just call them back and just maybe just check sort of what the situation is? Because if it is serious, I'll get them up. So I phoned back and I remember I stood by the window and I was so like, nonchalant sort of attitude like so calm thinking they'll be like oh yeah no she was a bit unwell so we've moved mm. her to intensive care that's really what I was expecting yeah. and I just I said to him um oh could you just update me you know what the actual change was and if she's stable now please and he literally went oh no um sorry no she's gone and that's literally how he said it like he panicked bless him and then I was just like oh wow all just come out you know you just sort of lose it and I was like Papa screaming by the window and then obviously my, my partner knew straight away what that meant wow so had she had she died had she died when they called you the first time yeah she'd already passed away I don't know whether the hospitals are supposed to do it over the phone I think maybe that's why he wanted me to go in mm. I don't know but um you know and I, I'm it's it, no shade to the hospital because things happen, but she was she was actually already gone about two and a half hours by the time they called me because they'd lost my phone number. So I, yeah, so I was kind of gutted because I just wanted like a moment with her where I felt like she had only just gone rather than, yeah. you know, she was just cold I don't know or, or even a moment when she you know a final moment you'd hope you know if they could yeah. see that right this woman is is leaving us that moment really everybody deserves to have their dying moments with the person that they love yeah yeah definitely I would have you know I would have loved just the last the last moment but yeah it felt a little bit um I don't really know how to word it but being two and a half hours late it, it, it I felt really disconnected quite quick you know yeah 
Yeah, I get that. I get that. What did you do after that? So you were given this devastating news over the phone, heartbreaking then that you've not got the closure of saying goodbye. So what do you do in the immediate moments after that and the following day? Well, um, the immediate thing, the immediate thing I did was phone my sister, but I hadn't actually spoken to my sister for about six months. Because we'd fallen out as well, like because of mum, it was like this huge three-way argument we had, and then I hadn't spoken to her, and I was like, oh my god, I've got to ring my sister. So I didn't actually have my sister's number. <laughs> that's how much. That's how much we were bickering. Wow. Don't you just love siblings. Oh. Of course now, <laughs> but at the time, um, so I actually had to find my brother-in-law. And he answered the phone and obviously he's thinking, why on earth is Chloe ringing? Like, is she yeah. going to yell at me? And I was like, <laughs> is Keely there? And he was like, what? What's going on? Because obviously by this point, it's like 20 to 3 in the morning. And I was like, put Keely on. And he kept saying, why? And I just kept saying, put Keely on. Because in my head, I thought, I, I cannot repeat this twice. I only want to say it to my sister, you know. I don't want to say it to to Charlie, bless his heart. And um, he was like, yeah, okay. So he sort of put Keely on, but... I knew when she, the way she said hello, she had so much dread in her voice that I, mm. I knew that she knew what I was about to say. So I just said, she's gone. That's all I said. And she literally, she must have dropped the phone because I heard her screaming, but from like the other side of the room, oh, it was a, it was a real uh, wail that I just lives with me. Like I, I hear her react like that more than I hear the person telling me mum's passed away. Mm. Mm. Um, there is there is something in that. It's a proper it's a proper raw emotion, isn't it? I think whenever I think back to the moment that my mum died, I think about the kind of wail that I did. Like you, you can't you can't contain it. Like it does just it really does just fall out of you. It's kind of it's like a primal instinct. Yeah, it's just that huge shock, isn't it? All coming out. And that whole you and I remember on both when my mum died and my nana died collapse into my knees it's like mm-hmm. I lost any sensation in being able to hold my body up mm. and and I think there is something in that that it is almost a biological almost animal thing that you have nothing yeah. in you it's just this whale comes out and you drop here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following day, Chloe, because obviously you're a mum, so your world couldn't just stop. You had to carry on, I'm guessing. Um, How did it unfold both in the immediate aftermath and the weeks and months after it? 
Well, it all, it all happened that night, you know, obviously I did get my kids up. Um, I, I took them to my partner's mum's. I met my sister at the hospital. And, you know, I, I couldn't s- switch off, to be honest. From that moment, I found it so difficult to switch off. I mean, we got to the hospital at like four, half past four in the morning. And I, you know, I went in and I, I saw mum with my sister, I, I guess, obviously to confirm it, it's, it's her and say mm. goodbyes and that. That was quite traumatic, actually, because when we got there, all her clothes and belongings were already packed up in a pile and left outside the door. And I think because it had been so much, well, a few hours, I, I don't know, but it was really uncomfortable. It was like, oh, is this it? Are we checking out? You know, it was just like oh quick. My God. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't switch off. I said, I said sort of my goodbyes as best I could. And then I was like, should we go to McDonald's? So <laughs> we went. That is literally one of those McDonald's adverts. You know, they have all like that, the heartwarming stuff. Literally. Like, it's like, it's not just a Mackey's, it's like, it's like a father and son sharing chips in the restaurant. Like, well, your parent just died. So go and bond and think about that over a, over a Mackey's. This is it. Mum's gone. It's time for a McFlurry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we, did, we went to McDonald's and then I went straight to my mum's house um, and I just sat there with my sister until about maybe seven in the morning and we just looked through photos and we just started discussing things. But honestly, I, I literally was like a, a robot. I, I survived from very little sleep and it was just like everything had to be done now. I had to do the funeral. I had to pack up her clothes. I had to ring around to tell everybody. Obviously, I, I spoke to the children, but... It was just all very like I, I couldn't stop because when I stopped, I hated mm-hmm. it. I found it very all, all I could do then was think and grieve, and I didn't want to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've kind of carried that on since then? Because that's one of the things that that I found like I've developed this habit of keeping myself very busy all the time because I find slowing down quite quite tough. Do you know? I, I, no, in in a way because. I, I used to get really busy. I used to go and see my mum's grave, like, you know, four or five times a week, I would drive across there. And I think to myself, at some point, I need to stop doing this so much because I'm not sure if it's healthy. Mm. And then COVID happened and, you know, Boris said we couldn't leave our house anyway. So I think that made me stop. You know, COVID made me stop. There was nothing to do. So I mm. kind of had to sit with my thoughts. And, you know, that's when I, you know, I started to struggle actually quite quite mentally because... <clears throat> I just thought about it so much and then I really realised how much I missed her. I want to talk more, Chloe, about that because obviously COVID was hugely difficult for a lot of people anyway because by nature, yeah. no matter who you are, we are social beings to a certain degree at the very least. Um, just before we go into that though, because I know a lot of our listeners who have might who might have lost parents might have children of their own. Do you mind me asking how you told your children? Um, do you, I, we, we was in the car initially taking them to, you know, in the middle of the night, taking them to my partner's mum so we could go to the hospital. And, you know, to be honest, I, I think my eldest one worked it out instantly. You know, she can hear us. She, obviously, she, she saw how I react. At that point, I couldn't, I couldn't hide that because it was just, you know, an ex- explosion of emotions. Um, so she kind of got that quite quick. And, um, Bless her heart, she didn't say anything to me when I dropped her off, you know, and I, I think because she thought, you know, mum's really upset. Um, so, you know, I think she was about she was about eight at this time. But um, she did send me a text on her iPad, you know, when she got to Aww. grandma's. And it just said, I love you so much, mum. And I'm really sorry that you've lost Nana. 
and it was oh. <laughs> it was so sweet um <sighs> and then my youngest god he was only like three at this point so he just didn't really get it all he kept saying is so so nanny's in heaven and i was like yeah and he was like with elvis presley and i was like probably she's <laughs> <laughs> like, probably hunted him down yes um but and then my 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 son he he, he started to collect white feathers that he found outside and he was like look mum these have come from nana's wings and he oh. was like so cute and then he used to write letters i've actually got a video of it he used to write letters and then throw them out the bedroom window because oh. he thought he thought they'd go up to heaven oh, <laughs> he was adorable but um do you know they they honestly both took it really really well i mean it's only now where teddy is um uh he's seven now it's only now if you talk about nana he sort of understands a bit more and he's still got some memories and he will cry like Teddy will ball his eyes out if, if he sees anyone else upset. Um, but yeah, my eldest is, is, is really good, actually. She's fine. The kids are so resilient. Literally, like she's she surprised me. I mean, she's done brilliantly. Did you find that you used humour as a kind of coping mechanism straight away? Or is that something that developed more so in COVID when you kind of, when you obviously started on, on TikTok? Do you know, it, it, I get this question a lot on TikTok from people. They say to me, oh, Chloe, my dad's just passed away and I'm not laughing like you. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I lie. I always say, oh, it will come. I didn't joke straight away. Don't be silly. I'm not mental. <laughs> but in actual fact, I actually made my first joke when we got to the hospital with my sister. Mm-hmm. I, I, I made a few jokes straight away off the cuff. And it was because I felt so uncomfortable yeah. And I just, you know, I, my sister, who we, I hadn't obviously been talking to for a little while, she was bawling her eyes out. I didn't know how to comfort her because we were just like, so instead, I think I was comforting people and her with humour in a way. I think that's mm. how I was doing it. Mm. And when did you realise, because obviously lockdown happened um, and that was like the boom of TikTok. Everyone was stuck at home making these TikToks. What was, uh, there's like two strands to this question. So what was lockdown like for you? Obviously you mentioned, you touched on briefly the fact that then you kind of had to sit with your grief. You couldn't visit your mum's grave. And Mm. when did TikTok, when did you decide, right, I'm going to join TikTok and how did that almost spiral and then help you if it has? Yeah, so um, when COVID happened, yes, it was hard, but also um, it kind of gave me a breather. There was suddenly no pressure to go out or do anything or mix with anybody. And I had just started um, some antidepressants. And anyone that's ever started antidepressants knows that like the first six weeks can be really hard. Um, So I actually quite like the fact that I wasn't mixing with anybody. Um, and then the antidepressants, they actually, they, they kicked in and they actually really started to help me because um, I was literally anxious from the moment I opened my eyes till when I went to bed. and I could not stop thinking about like my future and the kids and th- feeling sorry for mum was the worst one. I felt so sorry for mum, even though she's gone and she can't feel that sort of pain. I felt so sorry for her that she wasn't here with the kids. Um, but then the antidepressants kicked in and I started watching everybody on TikTok and I just thought, actually, like this, this is a bit of me, like I love comedy and I just felt like I'm going to 
use my my energies that I have into this instead and see what happens and it just yeah it was a real comfort to me actually do you get any backlash on TikTok very rarely actually really rare I do get a couple um where people have said things like I don't find this funny at all and I just think well I don't you know I don't care it's not your grief it's not your pain so I don't care and I get a couple of people because I, I started making a few few videos um where I was just exaggerating the whole uh, kidney transplant situation I was kind of joking that mum needed my kidney but I wouldn't give it to her this that was that was more fictional because that didn't quite happen but that got a few people riled they was like oh my god how could you not give your mum your kidney <laughs> and I would just I would just joke and be like, look, I lent her my Vicar Dibley box set once. <laughs> yes. She didn't, she didn't look after that, so she's not having my kidney. <laughs> that, Chloe, that was um, the first video I saw of yours, and that was when I fell in love with your content. And that was the first video I told my brother to have a look at, and we were crying. And do you know what? The internet never ceases to amaze me, because how people haven't taken that tongue-in-cheek about you not giving your mum a kidney... <laughs> yeah is beyond me but it is just brilliant I mean I love you've you've stuck like googly eyes on your mum's little ashes haven't you and it's like do you know what do you know what's so wonderful though is that you've almost like we've never met your mum a lot of us you might have friends on there who did but it's like through your TikToks you bring her to life I feel almost like I can know your mum through your TikToks Mm. does that make sense yeah, and and my mum would love to be a part of this. Should should this would be brilliant to her. So I never feel I never feel guilty. I never feel like I'm crossed the line because I know mum's humour, and I know she'd think that it. I, I think she'd just love being present, you know, especially with the kids. I think that she would love it. What do your friends and family say about it? Do they like it? Um. Well, as I say, we were kind of a small family at, on on that side of the family because you know mum was single and you know her parents have passed away and so is her sister but so really it's only my sister but Mm. she loves it like she 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 said it makes her smile makes her laugh and she yeah no I think she used to rely on me a lot when mum first died to keep her laughing and it's just Mm. sort of continued so no she loves it that relationship between you and your sister then did that um did the death of your mum bring you both together and then make you sustain that relationship almost yeah so it didn't it didn't so as soon as we got to the hospital and met the first thing we said to each other was right let's 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 all forget what's happened because you know we need each other right now and you know I remember my sister my brother-in-law like a hundred percent you know like they, they were really like you know, they were really supportive as well. We really looked after each other. The funny thing is about grief is that there's kind of a range of emotions. And one of them that seemed to hit at the exact same time for me and my sister was anger. Mm-hmm. And when the anger emotion came, it's it was like suddenly we just couldn't be around each other because we just started blaming each other for things. We just digging each other out. It was just, it got ridiculous. But it, it, was, it was because we were... We were grieving you know it wasn't it wasn't on purpose we wasn't trying to upset each other we were just stuck in that anger part of grief so again we stopped talking for a few months and then when we calmed down and you know we had grieved a little bit more that's when we reached out to each other and we was like this is so silly you know we've lost our mum I don't want to lose you too I love you let's let's work mm-hmm. on our relationship and you know ever since then touch wood a couple of years now we, we you know we've been fine we, we were really close and we spend a lot of time together Oh, I bet your mum would be so happy to know that. Yeah, she would, yeah. Bless her. 
Chloe, when you're not laughing and joking on TikTok, when you are sat on your own these days, how do you find that you cope with grief? Does it ever really, really just strike you occasionally and you go, oh my God, my mum's dead? Yeah, it does. And sometimes I have that night where I feel like I, I don't know how to word it. It's almost like I, I'm going to allow myself to cry. You know, so like the other night I watched Elvis, the film, for the first time. Um, and, and Elvis Presley was like my mum's, like my, her God, you know. So I've, I've been avoiding it all this time. And then suddenly I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to watch it, even though I knew it was going to bring up my emotions. But I thought, no, I, I actually, I want to kind of feel that. I want to feel like it's okay to still cry. So, you know, sometimes I, I do have that moment where I might listen to a certain playlist or, you know, watch a film that reminds me of her. And yeah, I do sort of let the emotions come when I want to. Yeah. Do you feel, Chloe, like you've changed as a person since the passing of your mum? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely understand how quickly life can change. And I definitely have this life's too short kind of idea stuck in my head, which is good and it's bad in the sense that, you know, like before... I'd be like, should we go to Florida? And my husband's like, yeah, let's save up and we'll go in 2024. And I'm like, no, let's go in October. <laughs> like, I just, I've just got this like idea now where I just want to grab life, you know, and I don't want to let yeah. it pass me by. Chloe, you are my kind of girl. If your husband won't go, you know where I am. I'll be right there with you. 100%. <laughs> um, you, you're absolutely right, though, because I think as well, when you lose a parent young, the anticipatory grief of your own death as well becomes even yeah. more um, prominent. Like, my mum died um, 16 years from my age now, and I say to everybody when I talk to them, when they say, oh, you know, what's the future look like for you? And I'm like, well, I've got to fit everything into 16 years just in case I die <laughs> yeah. at the same age as my mum, so I need to move quick. And it's interesting, isn't it, how your perspective Mm -hmm. of life changes and it almost feels like you're running on a treadmill whilst also trying to take everything in in slow-mo so you can remember it all and appreciate it all yeah yeah definitely because my nan passed away at 48 and my mum was 57 so like in my head I get so anxious about that age and then yeah I, I'm the same I just feel like I don't want to risk you know waiting too long for anything you know just in case but hopefully I break the pattern and, and I'm like 99 but we'll see <laughs> yes it says in your bio you know your future sitcom writer you're clearly very talented very witty very entertaining what does the future look like for you do you know there is a there's, there's a few things going on at the moment that's that's literally just happened in the last two or three days which I would Ooh. love to tell you about but I'll be I will be so told off, mm. <laughs> so I can't. That's so exciting. It really is. But one one thing is that, yeah, I have been writing um, a script called Raising Mum, which I've been writing for some years now. But when mum passed away, I, I, I altered it quite a lot and I added a lot of the dark humour. And that, that script is like my baby. And hopefully one day we'll, we'll take it somewhere. But what I've been doing, actually... Although it's a script and it's not been seen, I have been taking little bits out of it and putting it into my TikToks. Mm. So then I get to see people's reactions and feedbacks. So I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's funny. I'll keep that in. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still I'm I'm still using I'm still benefiting off my mum's death here, aren't I? Really, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still using that grief to like make something positive out of it, you know. So <laughs> well, you need to you need to spin it spin it somewhere, and I think. 
being able to create something that other people can relate to and again breaks down those barriers towards grief like people are so scared of talking about it and if humor means that people can actually discuss it in some way shape or form then brilliant because I think that is the most easily accessible way to open the conversation around grief so I think what you're doing is incredible yeah and, and I think that that's the thing because with with grief unfortunately it, it will come to every single one of us you know mm-hmm. we're all going to lose somebody down the line that that we love so that's why for me like to, to, to do a sitcom or to do TikToks, like it's really important to me because I, I know the audience it's reaching. I know how many people are affected or will be affected. And I want people to know that as much as the pain hurts, it's, it's okay to laugh sometimes, you know, like if, if we didn't laugh, then we'd all be, you know, rocking back and forth 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> I, I do both to be fair. Um, what, yeah. advice, <laughs> what, what advice would you give to the Chloe that heard her mum's diagnosis or to another Chloe or somebody else, someone, a young person out there dealing with this kind of news right now or the pending or immediate death of a parent? I would say look after your mental health, first of all. So try and sleep where you can. Um, don't be afraid to talk to the, the doctor about antidepressants or or those, um, you know, tablets that help, like, the onset of a panic attack. You know, don't, don't be afraid to, like, use your resources to help you mentally. Um, but I would also say, like, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like, everybody's grief journey is so different. So if you're not making jokes the next day, you're probably quite normal. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> like, I, I'm worried about myself here. But, um, I, you know, I'd also <laughs> say, you know, if you're not crying straight away, that's also normal, you know. Or if you can't stop crying... So I would I would say to people not to compare your journey to anybody else's. Don't try and rush it. It it will be a very it'll be a bumpy road and you'll have good days and you'll have some bad days. But I, I would tell people to try and remember that it, it does get better. It doesn't it doesn't heal. I don't think anything heals, but time does help. You're always gonna miss that person, but but the grief and the pain is is never gonna be as as strong as it as it is in the first few days, you know. Wonderful advice, that Chloe. And just finally, we always ask our guests to share their favourite memory of their parents. So share your mum's name and a favourite memory of her. Do you know, um, the first one that comes to my head is poor old Carol. She was so clumsy. And I, I know this is not like a lovely, lovely, gorgeous memory of us hand in hand down the beach and cutting my hair. But we was in this we was in this garden centre once, and um, it was raining hard. And my dad went out to get the car. You know what dads are like? They go and get the car, don't they? To bring it closer to the shop. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bring the car around. Um, she was like, she was standing in like the um, by the exit. She's like, for God's sake, where's your dad? She cupped her eyes with her hands to sort of look look out the window, and she didn't realise that she was stood right next to the automatic doors. So somebody started walking towards the doors and the door started opening and it literally knocked her into a whole pile of like baskets and trolleys. She went flying and she embarrasses so easy, but I was literally on the floor wetting myself. Like it was so funny to me. And then she was like, for goodness sake, it's your father's fault. If you just come round, this what happened. And when she got in the car, she actually told my dad off. Like it was just, it killed me. It just made me laugh so much. Bless her. Chloe, Carol sounds like an absolute gem. And do you know what it sounds like? She lived a lot of life in her time on earth. And you are a credit to her. 
you can just Thank see you. you know if you were brought up by her and look at how you turned out it's incredible <laughs> and you. it's genuinely been a privilege to hear your story and hear you talk on the podcast and I know you'll have helped so many people and I have no doubt that whatever these exciting things are in the pipeline for you they're going to continue helping other people and your light will just continue to shine and get brighter and brighter and um, for anybody that loves you as much as we do Chloe tell them where they can find you TikTok, I'm mostly at, which is Chloe Kent 89 on TikTok. Um, I'm almost at 300k followers now. I'm excited. So yeah, find me there and we'll have a giggle together. You certainly will. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you so, so much. And hopefully our paths will cross again in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Please share your news once you're alive. I will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Thanks, Chloe. Take care. Thank you. you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.